been wanting to do a podcast and we're gonna do this casual. Whoa! Here, pal. Oh, Ah. We're going to sing campfire songs. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's go with what we got. Um, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Cheers. 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 Right. Yep. <laughs> well, good to see you. There's a hell of a lot of worse places to be than right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm super excited to be here with Phil Davey joining us from Sheboygan Brewing Company. And uh, brought me a little uh, taste of Sheboygan. I did, as a matter of fact. I brought you a few tastes. Oh, a few tastes. Yes. Nice. Yeah, I'm not going to give you just one and done, son. You're going to have a few of them. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, tell, you're very welcome. Tell me about this one, Tree that, Love. That is our Tree Love IPA. Uh, so for those that like a good bitter IPA, that's there. Um, the other aspect of it is it's low calorie. It's low ABV, so it's only 115 calories. 3.8 ABV, only 40 IBUs. Uh, we use all local hops from MI Hops just north of town in Williamston. We use their Michigan Copper Hops, which when when you rub them between, between your hands, they smell tropical. So they have tropical aromas, and that's the single hop that we put inside that beer. So it's light, refreshing, and uh, it's designed to drink outside, which is what we're doing right now. That is absolutely perfect. I appreciate it. I'm going to crack mine. What are you drinking? This is our La Cerveza. So this is a Mexican Bohemian style beer. Think Modelo, but yeah. made in Michigan and good. Perfect. <laughs> I love Modelo too. So I'm yeah. going to have to try that one. Cheers. Air, Air cheers. cheers. Air cheers. <laughs> Air cheers and enjoying the outdoors reminded me somehow of uh, Instagram and I forgot to push the button on Instagram. So I'm going to go over here for a second. That's fine. Start our Instagrams, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to explain what's in the background there for people. Excellent. So now the folks on Instagram can join us too. Hello, Instagram. <laughs> Instagram, if you you missed that because I didn't push the start button, it's Phil Davy of Sheboygan Brewing Company. So I wanted to take a minute here at the beginning. This is the first Bonfire and Brews uh, hosting a external guest that we are doing with uh, mitigation now having stepped down a little bit. Uh, we are able to meet in groups of 100 people or less. One of the things that I've noticed, however, is that a lot of people uh, didn't get the message that outside of your home group six feet is still a big deal it is uh and so the reason why is basically the stuff that comes out of your mouth when you talk uh, especially when you cough or sneeze uh, it does if you're outdoors tends to fall to gravity within about six feet and so if you have a six foot distance which is exactly what we have behind us right here the orange pole uh, outdoors, this is perfectly good mitigation for uh, COVID, coronavirus, and that's what we're practicing tonight. Indoors, uh, that is a little bit different. And so indoors, you've got air circulation, you're in close proximity, and so you really still need to mitigate uh, having a, mouth on, a mask on over your mouth and nose uh, to make sure that you are protecting your community. Your yes. neighbor. It's, it's about respect. Yes. For everybody. 
one person has a mask on doesn't mean that you don't have to wear one either. Exactly. It shows it shows my respect for you. Yeah. And I think that's it's really important right now for all of us to show that we are taking responsibility for each other's safety by watching what comes out of my body and making sure that it doesn't pass to you. So we're doing that tonight and enjoying a beer outdoors around the campfire. Thank you guys for joining us. Bill, the first question is yes. what got you into the outdoors? Well, I was, I was born and raised in California and that's part of the ethos of California is just go outside and enjoy yourself because the weather is gorgeous year round. Um, so I, I fought on that when I was young. Uh, grew up uh, riding motorcycles out in the desert, hiking through the mountains, going to Yellowstone, going to all the national parks and, and really imbibing on the outdoors. So um, if you would ask me, when did I really start to enjoy the outdoors? I couldn't tell you because my parents took us camping early. And so it's, it's a part of my psyche. It's, part of, it's a part of me. I'm more comfortable outdoors than I am indoors. Now that has been a theme, I think, in most of the interviews that I've done that a big part of childhood and your parents getting you into the outdoors mm -hmm. really seems to be a thing. Of course. Yeah. Do you remember, was there a technique or was there a practice or a hook that your parents put into getting you into the outdoors? Or? Uh, it was always either sports related or motorcycle related or it was um, some sort of an engagement outdoors. I think if we were just left to our, uh, to our own to go outside um, without that provocation, then um, who knows if I if I would have bit in on it as much as I did, but we would we would go camping, we would go motorcycle riding, we would go you know anything outdoors that engaged me and, and, and had my my attention as a young kid um, was was what we did, and so uh, that's that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah, parents finding the activity in the outdoors mm -hmm. that their kids want to do. Yeah, which is what I did yeah. for my kids. Well, what was the hook that you put down there? For camping. Kids? Yeah. Yeah, camping and, and, and mountain biking. Uh, we would load up the mountain bikes just about every weekend. And when we lived downstate and go hit the, the, the mountain bike trails. When we camped, it was predicated on uh, how close that campsite was to a mountain bike trail. And the kids loved it. And they're, they both still love to ride boat, or mountain bikes and, and so do I, and uh, you know, we, we, we enjoy it because I made it a part of, just like my parents did for me, I made it a part of, of their life growing up. Yeah, camping, of course, um, just imbibing on the outdoors, you know, making it making an, an activity yeah. instead of just saying, I mean, you pitch it to a kid, let's just go outdoors. They're gonna say, what? You know, I've got my PlayStation and my Xbox. Well, let's go outdoors and ride a motorcycle or let's go outdoors and play some soccer. Let's go outdoors and, and go hiking. Um, then I think that it's it's that carrot on the stick that gets them out and really forces them, not forces them, but it, it allows them to enjoy the outdoors in their, within their own terms. I've been uh, looking in the mirror a little bit here in recent days in COVID because uh, you know, right now so many people are wearing multiple hats in a diminished space, mm -hmm. uh, being a parent, teacher, 
uh, still a professional and you're doing that all from your living room now. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> and uh, I've been looking in the mental mirror and I've been catching myself doing the opposite of what you said there. I've been like, kids, go outside. And I've been seizing that moment of them outside to work on my computer. And, I, and I've noticed that going outside under that dress mm -hmm. is such a bigger battle than, hey, do you want to go throw the Frisbee? Or, yeah. hey, do you want to go ride the bike? Yeah. Um, and they will follow so much easier than, yeah. than they obey. Carrot and stick. Carrot and stick. Yeah. yeah. yeah if, if you threaten them or force them to go outside, they're going to feel as if it's some sort of a punishment mm -hmm. or a distraction for, for them. But to create an environment within the outdoor environment environment that that allows them to engage and, and take ownership of whatever it is they're doing outside. This is my sport, Dad. You taught me, but this is this is my sport now. And and then you'll have a hard time getting it back in the house. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing that my kids are doing is uh, building hideouts in the woods because oh, that's yeah. exactly what I did when yeah. I was their age. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Building lean-tos. Yes, yeah. 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 Yeah, you were talking about California. And California yeah. has an amazing stock of public land. Mm -hmm. Is there any one of those that, when you think back on your childhood, stands out as your spot? My spot that we frequented uh, mostly um, in regards to going outside during the summer or the winter even is, is Big Bear. Um, it's the mountain range, the San Bernardino mountain range, just encircling the LA County area and, uh, uh chateau like living up there, uh, beautiful ski, ski, ski facilities, uh, during the winter, um, and during the summer hiking, mountain biking, all of that. And so it was, that was only from our house about a three hour drive. So it's where we went most frequently. So if there's a place that is anchored to my, my memory of, of of outdoors, it's big bear. Yeah, that's awesome. And think, uh, what kind of activities did you do there? We would we well, we had a cabin, okay. or, and uh, we would go to the cabin and and, and hang out. Uh, once we were there, we would we, if we were there during the winter, straight to the ski mountain, right? To, to uh, Mount Summit, I remember. And uh, we go we would go skiing all day. And our parents would hang out in the lodge and have hot toddy, you know. Um, but they brought us there, and that's that's the thing. They well, our parents introduced us to skiing. And so that became the outdoor lifestyle that we'd do during the winter. During the summer, we would either go to the beach or the mountains. So beach is just outside as the mountains is, but there's surfing and there's boogie boarding and there's, you know, hanging out. And uh, so, the, and the beautiful thing is in California, there's sometimes during the, during, the, uh, during the year, where you can surf in the morning, drive up the mountain, to, the, to the mountain and ski in the afternoon. Yeah. Which is a one-two punch for yeah. the outdoorsman. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. When I lived in Oregon, there was a race that went from Mount Hood all the way down to the coast. I think it was called Summit the Sea or something along mm -hmm. those lines. Yeah. And you know, pulling the whole thing in a day is a, is a doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we would go to Mammoth Mountain uh, up near Tahoe. And uh, we would go skiing during, during the winter months, but during the summer, we'd go back and take the same gondolas to the top of the mountain. And that's a huge elevation change. You know, you're leaving uh, an area that looks like this, 
and you're so high over 26,000 feet that it turns to shale and granite with nothing growing. And we would ride our mountain bikes down the firebirds. Uh, and that was amazing. You really get some speed going. Really get some speed going. Yeah. Yeah, I used up all nine of my lives. <laughs> we well, I had I I suffered a few cases of tree poisoning. We'll say that. <laughs> In point of fact, I did that earlier today. I did was, you? I did. I was on my mountain bike and I was going across campus to uh, check on some work that was being done on the other side of campus, and there's this one drop that I've looked at and gone around many times. Yeah. And today I was feeling a little, you know, brazen. And so I was like, oh, I can take that. And as soon as my front wheel dropped over it, I knew I was in trouble. Oh, no. I hit the bottom, it stuck, and I went right oh. over And uh, pavement is the landing. And uh, Oh, just, and you're here to talk I'm about it. I'm here to talk about it. I'm you bounced. I'm proud of it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I came over the handlebars. Yeah, yeah. We, we would call that rapid deceleration sickness. <laughs> and being a little stupid on my part. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Being fancy free, not stupid. Yeah. yeah. Loving that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to you have to challenge yourself every once in a while, right? Whether it's riding them out, that's how you grow. It is. You know, that's how you that's how you expand and that's how you get better at things. Challenging yourself and not being afraid of the of the unforeseen. Go for it. I think there's something there about the importance of getting outdoors or something about yeah. activity outside that, that continually puts you in that place where you are pressing your boundaries and daring life and, you know. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your business outdoors now? Well, um, primarily my, my outdoor um, activity uh, revolves around throwing a chunk of plastic at baskets. I'm, a, I'm an avid disc golfer. Uh, and that's how that's how we were here right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you had my friend Greg Argyle on from Aloft Disc Golf, and uh, and I thought, man, that's that seems like something I'd really love to do. And I didn't know that we'd actually be doing it because your premise is <laughs> is virtually before. Yeah. So when you when we talked today and you said we're going to do this outdoors on site, we got excited. Sure. So uh, disc golf, um, absolutely enamored with with the premise of it. Um, I love the the tactical aspect. I love the the anaerobic and aerobic aspect of it. Um, of course, you're in the woods. It's it's about as much fun as you can have in the woods. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up throwing frisbee on the beach in California, so I developed an ability to kind of control my throw. And and I had a friend. I moved from downstate about 11, 12 years ago. About 10 years ago, a friend I met up here said, "Would you like to play?" To go like play some, some disc golf, and I was I gonna say no, you know, <laughs> and I had envisioned you know throwing a disc back and forth, and we got to Hickory Hills here in in, in Traverse City, and he goes no we're throwing these at that, awesome, <laughs> I am in, and I've been hooked ever since. What is it that hooks you? Um, I think it's the tactical aspect of it. It's 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 about the mathematics of what type of disc you throw presented by the by the task that you have in front of you. If you've got a hole that is straight and arcs right, you get a disc out that has more of an of an actual right turn to it. And you throw it in a fashion that that forces that disc to hold that line. If it goes up to the left, you have another disc. That's why we carry bags and we're carrying 20, 30 discs in it, because 
each disc is purely situational based on the hole that you're playing. Um, there's distance drivers, there's mid-range, just like a golf bag, and there's putters that you throw that all are engineered to do specific things based on the hole or the situation that you've got in front of you. So it's that tactical aspect of staring at the hole, standing on the pad and, and, and envisioning pulling out the right disc and releasing it in the, in the correct form so that it gets the distance that it needs, the glide, and then the turn or the fade that you need it to do. And then achieving that is amazing after a while. And it takes a long time to master that. But once you do, it's magical. There's something magical about watching that disc fly through the air towards the basket. Yeah, it's not it really just plastic. It's, it's much more than just fucking plastic. It's much more than that. And I'm in it. Yeah. I just, it's, it's what, when I'm not working, it's what I'm thinking about doing. When uh, winter happens or, or something happens that prevents you from getting out there and throwing the plastic, do you notice a, dis a difference in your, your, your mental acuity? Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. And so I've had to build in um, uh, defaults. Mm -hmm. So if, if I know, like right now, I can't play. I've got a strained elbow, an inflamed tendon that's keeping me from playing. So I know that when this happens, because I'm old, I'm beat up, right? I've got, I've got ailments that I contend with. So that's a, that's a great question because I've got built-in defaults. So if, if I know I can't play, like right now, I know I can't play. Tomorrow I'd be playing. Sunday I'd be playing in a league. Uh, next week I'd be playing in a tournament. But none of that's going to happen. So I've got other things I'm going to be doing. I'm going to go on hikes. I'm going to spend time in the garden. But it's always outside. Nothing can replace being here in this. And so I find other things to do outside. Awesome. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk more about that when, I, when we get to the why, but uh, you have another business that you do. What we're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> a little beer business. Little beer yeah. Business. Yeah. Tell uh, me about that. Sheboygan Brewing Company. We've been around since 2011. Um, but the Sheboygan Brewing Company name actually dates back to the 1800s. We were the northernmost brewery that served the timber industry back in the day. Um, and then it died through prohibition and then went away. And then it was resurrected in 2011 by a group of people. And uh, uh, we have brought that back and created some brand awareness. Now we are statewide from, from Iron Mountain to, to Brownstown, south of Detroit. So. Um, we are statewide, nine different distributors. We've got uh, some, a great group of core flagship beers that you can find pretty much in most most chain stores, uh, Myers, Walmart, Spartan stores, Spartan Nash stores. Uh, so we've got some, we, we have a lot of brand awareness, but we're getting more. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, for the record, this tastes wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you. For sharing. <laughs> Thank you. It's And it's just, it doesn't it look good out here? It does. It fits. And... Relevant to your uh, previous business of disc golfing, it has a little basket right down here, which we first heard from yes. Greg when I was on that one. But yeah. Now I get to partake in real time. And we actually pay homage to golf as well. On the other side, oh. you see the golf ball. Oh yeah. Yeah. Golf there's a golf on the other side of the golf yeah. play. Um, that term "tree love" refers to whether you're playing golf or disc golf, ball golf or disc golf, um, where you hit the ball and it hits the tree and goes towards the hole. Or you throw your disc, it hits a tree, it goes towards the hole, or even in the hole, which is amazing. Um, 
So that's the term tree love. The, the tree just gave you love. Yeah. Trees of sage. <laughs> so tree love. Yes. Great connection there with yeah. the outdoors. Yeah. And with the benefit of being outside. And one of the one of the pieces I wanted to pick your brain about is the outdoors community, whether it's disc golfers, backpackers, uh, paddle sports, rock climbers, uh, anybody that is in that community of people who prefer to be in the outdoors doing their hobby, uh, there is a clear and present deference toward drinking beer. Mm -hmm. um, I remember one of the uh, first trips I took to the Grand Canyon, a buddy of mine, we backpacked down and we were on Horseshoe Mesa and uh, I sat down to kind of take in the whole environment and he reached down the bottom of his pack and he pulled out two cans of Guinness and we sat there and drank oh. Guinness at the bottom of our... What a way to Canyon. celebrate the outdoors. Yes. You know? What is that? What is that connection? Well, I think that, you know, all the ingredients that go into constructing a fine craft beer come from the outdoors. You know, we're, we personally use water from the from the watershed that's around us in the Great Blue Water Basin. And we use hops that are grown locally outdoors. Um, the grain bill or the rice bill, whatever whatever we're, we're using for that specific brand, of course, is all grown outside. So we're taking the natural elements that the universe provided us and manufacturing them and putting them in this amazing liquid that you can then enjoy outdoors again. Yeah. Yeah. And we do. <laughs> we do. We do. You know, it's 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 celebratory. Yeah. You know, um, I work in the craft industry, but I'm sort of a teetotaler. Yeah. You know, I don't drink really a lot, yeah. and and so I use it as as a reason to celebrate moments like this. Mm. Um, after a, a hard day at work, um, after a long uh, round of disc golf mm -hmm. or golf or whatever outside activity, it's just. It's kind of the exclamation point at the end of your day, you know? Yeah. Just kind of puts a dot on it. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, my wife does a lot of work with a uh, community in Kenya, which is uh, part of the Maasai tribe. Mm -hmm. And um, when I first went over there, uh, before we got married, right when we got married, uh, went over to meet, she'd already done uh, three years of Peace Corps work uh, mm -hmm. among that community, had some very deep family friends. And uh, so when she went over to do uh, her master's work, I went over and um, the Maasai have their own beer. And have you ever seen the pictures of the sausage tree? Those savanna-like trees that have these huge sausages yeah. that grow down in them. And they basically take those sausages and um, they ferment uh, in these big barrels with sugar and honey, and it makes this beer. And um, the honey that they put in there still has the bees in it. And so when you visit, there's this test they'll do to see if you're like, you know, you know, this made of the stuff or not. They'll they'll hand you a beer with the bees floating in it, and they'll hand you a strainer. All sit and watch to see if you use the strainer to strain the bees out. Which is what I would naturally do. <laughs> I, I got a warning, and so uh, I, I made sure that I set the strainer down on the side and 
drank and chewed the bees. <laughs> wow. That's a great story. We have a beer that we actually add honey to as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it's our blood orange honey. So it's a wheat beer that we we put real wheat, or real uh, bl uh, blood orange puree, and we put natural Michigan wildflower honey in it. That's your next beer. That is my next beer. I'll There's set it down. Thank you, you can grab it. Much. Appreciate it. Blood orange honey. I'm going to try honey. that out next. Yes. That is our, actually our flag, our flagship beer. Excellent. That's, That's the first one, one we sell. We make and sell more, more of than any other brand. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I brought that story up because you were talking about the community piece of it. And I had this conversation with the Maasai and they were talking to me about the importance of beer. It comes out in all of the ceremonies. Mm -hmm. And after the ceremony, when everything's said and done, they pass out those maratina fruit, the sausage treat. Um, they pass that out between several families and everybody takes three, a half a dozen, whatever, and they all dry them out. They, they preserve them. And then whenever there's a special ceremony, it could be a wedding, it could be a graduation, it could be a birthday, it could be anything we're celebrating. Mm -hmm. The word goes out and everybody grabs their maratina fruit and they all come together and they brew the beer. So it metaphorically and literally is a social lubricant. It brings everybody sure. together for celebration. Yeah, for that yeah. Which is which is what we make. Yeah. You know, a lot of people will say, "Do you enjoy your job?" Well, wouldn't you enjoy a job where you sell nothing but fun juice? Yeah, fun juice. You know, that's that's really what it is. It's designed for people to celebrate life with. Like, you know, that's that's kind of the premise. You know, so celebrating life, pushing the boundaries, challenging your brain talk to people about the importance of getting outside. Mm -hmm. What do you say? How do I tempt people outside that normally wouldn't be? Is this the scenario you're, des you're describing? I like that. Okay. Um, I, would, I would find an activity that um, I would be inquisitive about, about the, the things that, that inspire them or that interest them and try to dovetail that with an outdoor activity. So, oh, you, you like flowers. Well, you know, we could, I could take you on a hike and show you some amazing wildflowers. Uh, or you're into cooking. Or we could go foraging and find some amazing food that you would normally walk right by on a trail and you can bring back to your kitchen or your restaurant and utilize as an ingredient. Um, you like bikes? Let's go mountain biking. You know, I would try to find a common interest that they already have. So I'm not trying to sell them on something that they don't, might or might not enjoy or imbibe in. Um, Find key in on something that that you know that they already enjoy and incorporate it with the outside. What if it's my 13-year-old son who enjoys being glued to the computer screen uh, playing video games? Okay. So right off the bat, I would say, so you like video games, you like uh, virtual reality, uh, you like TV. What about the TV do you like? Do you like the production of the TV? Do you like uh, you know, the, the way that they captured shots? Uh, is it more subject-based? Because all that is outdoors. So let's, let's grab a camera. Let's go make our own TV show. You know, let's, go, let's go outside and capture some imagery that then you can bring back inside and sit behind your computer and manipulate and 
create your own little outdoor TV show or whatever it might be. Yeah. So same premise, trying to find something that they're interested in, keying in on it and incorporating it with the outdoors. So you don't see technology as being antithesis to the outdoors? Well, I, th I think it's, I think that, uh, well, I brought it up when you were sitting there. Yes, yes. Uh, and I saw you deftly moving around uh, these these uh, these uh, software that you were that you had one window up you had ten windows open I was I was I was a cape I was like wow I, I wish I could do that right and I I actually verbally said to you right before we started this is the melding of technology and outdoors because you're reaching into this computer and use, utilizing its powers so that we can talk about the outdoors. I think that's, I think we're in that zone. I think we're in that place. We've been resisting it right now. Many parents all over the place are freaking out because during COVID mitigation, mm -hmm. you know, kids are doing school at home. And, I, and I'll, I'll be honest and say that I was freaking out about it because you know, here's my kids doing school, which they can't not do, spending hours on a screen. And then they get off of that screen and they want to chill out and play a game that they want to do for their own free time. And you don't want to be, you know, the parent that's like, Oh, you can't do any fun stuff on the computer. You know? So um, everybody is really worried about how much time kids put in the screen and, and me as well. But I, I don't think the answer is thinking about the two as being antithesis. Mm -hmm. I think we have to find, the space where they both thrive together. Case in point. What we're doing right now is, is an excellent example of that. Yeah. You know, um, I think it was my, my upbringing uh, that I, was, I wasn't forced to go outside, but my parents used a tactic that they found things that interested me to get me outdoors. So as I sit now, because I, 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 I spend a lot of time behind the screen, and the whole time, every hour that ticks by that I'm on the screen, I have this nagging sort of a, a, a pull to go outside. So I'll get up every hour or so and meander around, soak up some sun, yeah. you know, do a little gardening, go back in. And it, it, it appeases that. Um, and it, I know where it comes from. It was the way that I was brought up and uh, it, to, they fostered that love of the outdoors that when I'm not out there and I'm on a computer inside or watching TV, there's this pull, and I know where that emanates from, from my upbringing. Yeah. It's in your DNA. It is. It is, and it's it's a constant pull. And I'm not when I'm indoors, I'm thinking about being outdoors and how soon I can get there. Yeah. You know. You know, here I am. I've got an outdoors job. You sure do. <laughs> I'm so jealous. An amazing one. Um, and there's days that I'll be here and I'll be indoors and I'll be plugging away on the computer and and I catch myself and I'm like I can be doing this and I can be outside. Mm -hmm. and we have you know our phones now have you know Wi-Fi right yeah. on it. And so I'll grab my phone, I'll grab my computer, and I'll go out to one of uh, David Lee's uh, trilliums out there in the woods yeah. and. Uh, Set up my outdoor office. Like right there. Amazing. We did. I, I was telling you before the uh, the episode here that I do a beer trivia 
an online Facebook Live Beer Trivia through Sheboygan Brewing Company's uh, Facebook page. And for the last two weeks, I'm doing it outside, sitting on the patio under an umbrella. And so I'm, I'm in heaven at that point, right? Because I'm, I'm tactically working, I'm engaging, yeah. I'm doing my job, but I'm, I'm also getting vitamin D and breathing fresh air. And, and uh, uh, so that's, that's nirvana for me when I can couple both. Because primarily what I do is um, spend time on the phone or online, um, emailing, uh, communicating, now Zooming like crazy, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's all indoors. But if I can move it out, outdoors, you know I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many Zoom meetings I've attended where people said, uh, yeah, you have a nice yard, man. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah, same. I've, I've taken my Zoom right out and set up next to the uh, campfire or like now. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, do a meeting while I'm walking. Yeah. I'm going for a walk. And, yeah. Uh, and what an amazing time of life that we live in that we have that option i mean we're both of the age that <laughs> we we remember um not having this as an option uh we remember having uhf you know indoors we <laughs> remember the size of rooms. yes <laughs> there was no virtual anything yeah. if you wanted reality get outside yeah. you know um and I think that's that's kind of the issue that we're contending with now with kids is they assume that virtual reality is their reality. You know, yeah. it, you might as well just remove virtual. Yeah. It is the reality. So it's it's going to take things like um, I was going to bring up geocaching, yeah. right? Yeah. Which I'm sure you do this, you do here. Um, that's one thing I, I enjoy as well is getting out and doing some. I haven't done it in a long time, but now that I'm speaking of it, guess, and I can't play disc golf. Guess what I'm going to start doing again? <laughs> thanks for thanks for eliciting that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think there's something to be said for you know when when the outdoors and nature is the thing, then everything else can find its place in that space. Well, sure. Yeah. You know, whether it's plastic, beer, uh, taking a screen. Mm -hmm. Like all of those things can not only find their place in that landscape, but they can also support that. Of course. We go on road trips that we would not be able to do if we had to hold down a nine to five job at a desk somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never, I've always done sales. Um, and I've, I love doing that type of job because it allows me to not have that nine to five cubicle sort of a situation every day is different and uh, most during normal times I'd be in a car driving to the UP driving downstate driving to Detroit driving to wherever it might be to engage um, and how blessed am I to have that as an opportunity you know Agreed. yeah how blessed we are to have outdoors and at all as an option. I, I don't take any moment that I spend outdoors for granted whatsoever I, I truly imbibe on every moment that I spend outdoors. And I think we all should. Well said. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the, 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 the Sheboygan brewing story. I really only gave you half of it. The rest of the story is um, we are, all of the ingredients that go into our beer are natural. 
Um, and if you hear our description, it's 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 about taking what the what nature has given us and creating something that we can then use again outdoors. You know, the natural waters of northern Michigan, the hops, the waving hops of, of northern Michigan as well, and, and, the, and the malt there um, are all things that you'll find in here. Um, so that's when I saw your show, um, I thought I have to be on that show to, to have this platform to make people aware of this. You know, um, I know a lot of other breweries share that same passion as well, or the same ability to say those things because everything that goes in the, in the, in the, in the craft beer comes from outdoors. But we, we at Sheboygan really, um, really push that, you know, it's, it's, we want people, we want the experience with our beer to evoke emotions about the inside. This, uh, Sheboygan blood orange kind of yes. is definitely a great piece to enjoy outdoors. Yeah. I love it. It's refreshing. It's light. Uh, it's a wheat beer. So it's got a little backbone to it. Yeah. Um, it's an enjoyable one. That's that's our home run beer. I agree. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. For this visit and being a part of this. I'm yeah. really glad you reached out. Thanks for having me. Thanks for bringing the beer. I'm leaving the rest for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> if people want to learn more about Sheboygan Brewing, where would you send them to? Uh, just go to your Google machine and type in Sheboygan Brewing Company. There you'll find our website. You'll find um, all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, IG. Um, and, and engage with us. We, uh, we, you know, it's a collective uh, on, on who runs all of our websites and, and, uh, and our social media, but the people running it are fun-loving outdoor people, and you'll get that vibe. You'll get that vibe. So come join us. Excellent. Cheers. Air cheers. Air cheers.